Thanks be to God. Well, thank you very much for reading that, Rolf. And um, it is uh, a great pleasure this morning to welcome Lisa here from uh, the wonderful ministry of Open Doors. And um, so uh, she's going to, she's amply able to um, introduce herself. And we will be putting subtitles on in case, uh, you know, you haven't practiced enough watching Dairy Girls to get the, uh, the, the English translation. But uh, Lisa, we're delighted you're here. We're so, so thank you for giving up your morning. Lisa's a volunteer with Open Doors, so she's not even paid to be with us. She's doing it because she loves Jesus and she loves persecuted Christians and she wants to bless us. So Lisa, thank you so much. Uh, take it away. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for the invitation to be here with you all. And thank you, Pastor Mark, for opening your heart, really, and, and getting the church to partner with Open Door and support the persecuted church. It's a really big deal, and it's something that is so needed, and we're so grateful. On behalf of Open Door, we're so grateful. And thank you for to Darling Church. You're such wonderful people. Um, having met you at the beginning of the service, the introduction, going into the breakout rooms, what a fantastic church you have. I already feel part of it. So warm and so humorous. I love that. I love that. Um, I'm so grateful that you're putting the persecuted church um, and putting a bit of priority on it because the secular world really doesn't do that. And it's only us Christians He'll be able to support the church in this way. So the things that you guys do make such a difference. So introducing myself, my name is Lisa. I'm a volunteer speaker, as Mark had said, from Open Door. Um, my introduction and involvement with Open Door actually started in the UK, where my husband and I pastored a church. We were drawn to Open Door for really my personal um, personal reasons and what I had gone through as a uh, as a, a person from a Sikh family. Um, I grew up in Ireland, born there, and very um, you know in a very Catholic area. And I was born into a Sikh family. Now my family were Sikh, but there was also a lot of Catholic influence in there as well. So my involvement was actually quite personal with Open Door. So my story, which I'd love to share with you, is around about 18 years ago, about 2002, 2003, I gave my life to Jesus and it was the best day of my life. You know, I um, was in my third year of university. I was part of a great church and community and I'd finally found the freedom that I was like, looking for for so long. Um, but, you know, my faith hasn't always been the, the journey hasn't always been very, uh, how could you say, it hasn't been an easy one. You see, I come from an Indian Sikh family where there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of, um, you know, there's even, even though that they say in the Sikh religion that they don't believe in a caste system, there really is. And at the bottom of that caste system is anyone who really converts to Christianity. So it was really something that my family felt a lot of shame about. Um, and when I told my parents to say that they were devastated would have been an understatement. They were so shocked. They were devastated. They were, you know, there was a lot of tears, um, a lot of division and a lot of separation. 
Um, when I first told them, the first um, strategy or what they decided to do was, you know, they really pleaded with me. At one point, my mom was like, I'll even get down and I'll kiss your feet. Like that for a parent to do that to a child in the Indian culture is almost unheard of. She was so desperate. Um, they even, you know, they sat me down and they said, look, if you give up this Christianity and you turn back and you come back to us, you know, you will give you the houses that we own. We'll hand the businesses over to you. You know, they went as far as like, you'll never have to work a day in your life. We will get you drivers. And, you know, all these things that I don't, you know, that when you're a Christian and, and when you've experienced Jesus and you've experienced this true freedom and you're reading the Bible and you're, and you're, you're, you're reading about the persecution and how the world offers you everything. And I was like, no, it just doesn't appeal to me. That doesn't appeal to me. I, nothing could compare to what Jesus had done for me. And so, you know, when they didn't get the reaction that they were hoping for, you know, it got it intensified. Um, it really intensified. You know, my um, father came to visit me and he said, I'm going to come to your church. And I was like, yes, thank gosh. You know, he's going to hear the gospel. He's going to get radically saved and everyone in the family is going to be Christians. And, you know, and to be honest with you, it was probably the worst experience, church experience I've ever had in terms of my father turning up. Um, and I happened to be a guest speaker that day. And you, I'm sure you understand, Mark, in the church, that sometimes you can't really tell what the guest speaker is going to say. Okay, so this guest speaker really went in. Um, he's from America, and my dad was just like, what is this that you're part of? You know, it couldn't have gone worse. Um, my father is a bit of a colorful character, you know, being in Northern Ireland and the things that went on and so on. And, and he actually took my pastor aside and I could see them talking. And, you know, he said to them, if you don't tell my daughter to leave the church and return to her family, I'm, I'm going to arrange some things that you're not going to like. Um, and there was this very intense conversation between a six foot four Indian man and a six foot three <laughs> um, pastor, like, you know, sat on the table like this and, and talking. And my father, you know, threatened to burn the church down. He said, I know people and we can and I will do it if you don't send my daughter back. Um, so we went from that to then finding out from my sister. Um, I think it was my sister who called me and said, look, dad, um, mom are in hotels and they're keeping an eye on you and their plan is to put you in the car and bring you back. Um, they're going to put you in the car and they're going to bring you back over that border. You know, through um, we lived in Manchester and there was, you would get the ferry back to like Dublin or Belfast. And so what I did, and this is where the church you know, this is why it's so important for people to be around praying for those who are going through stuff because the church was so praying for me. I was praying, but the church was really contending and you know, opened up their houses. And I was actually going, I stayed in three different houses because I knew that my family were keeping an eye on me and that was their intention. And I kind of know what goes down in Indian families and you hear some of the stories. So I was moving from house to house 
um, and they opened up their houses and I was, people were looking after me and it was, you know, it was a blessing God really, really provided. Um, and so when that didn't prevail for my family, um, they, it then, in between all that, there was a lot of phone calls, a lot of threatening phone calls. I had to call the police um, over some of the things that were said and some of the plans that were happening. And then what happened was the last thing that they did was because I was a university student, um, I was quite dependent, partially dependent on my family, you know, finances, you're talking about your, um, you know, back in the day, like we didn't have camera phones, but I had a phone <laughs> and used to pay my phone bill and, and you know, they, were, they really blessed me and they cut off all financial support. So I was kind of left um, trying to make myself make my way through university on my own but god provided and this is the thing no matter what what happened god provided more than my family could have ever done and it was something that my as this went on my relationship with jesus was getting stronger and stronger and for that i was so grateful um you know, I was reading scriptures, I was really pouring myself into uh, the word and reading about, you know, like Matthew 5, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, like for theirs is a kingdom of heaven. Um, and blessed are you when others revile and persecute you. So when my family were calling and they were saying all sorts of stuff, like, you know, had we known when you were born as a baby that you were going to become a Christian, we would have killed you. We would never have had you. There's a lot of intense comments being made, but you know what? Blessed are you when they persecute and revile against you. Um, there was a lot of rumors that were spread, but you know what happened actually in between that is everything died down and they all started to act really nice. And I was like, hmm, I don't know about this. Something doesn't, you know, something doesn't seem really legit but i knew that this was a really good way to uh, for god to be glorified what would whatever would happen um and so they invited me to a wedding in india and i knew i know what you're thinking you're thinking lisa you didn't go seriously did you really go yes i i did go i i went because i i really trust god and i thought this will be a great opportunity for god to aid to reveal himself for my faith to be stronger and um, for there to be a testimony of, of Jesus that, you know, no matter what happens, Jesus is there. And you can say whatever you want, do whatever you want. I'm, I'm, staying, with, I'm staying with Jesus. So we went to India and this is where things really intensified at a magnitude that I can't explain, but only these things could happen in India. Um, you know, we had, you know, they suddenly decided let's all go on a, um, a uh, what would I say, a, a, a tourist trip and visit some heritage sites, which consisted of holy shrines, holy sites, um, you know, like temples, you know, with the hope that I would, you know, have a, a meet with the real God that they, they really wanted me to meet with. But all that would happen was my strength, my, my faith would grow stronger. They had um, visitors come to the home, witch doctors. They don't look quite like witch doctors that we're used to, 
but they were people that they didn't know and they were um, witch doctors. And this is where an amazing testimony happened. This is where my faith in Jesus was like, yes. Um, there were these two men in the house and they were, they had long beards that touched the ground, they're white gowns. And my grandmother clearly didn't know them. And she was like, Lisa, come down and meet our friends. And I could clearly see they weren't friends because my grandmother looked extremely awkward and they were sat and like, you know, like, like strangers. And I remember walking past the doorway and I kept catching their eyes and I went into the kitchen and I said, Lord, the Bible says that even demons know who you are. They know your name. So I'm going to look at them and I want them to see you in me because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm with you and this is what you said right and so I just looked at them in the eye and as I looked at them in the eye and I turned around they ran out the house they literally vanished from the house so quick and I went in the kitchen I was like yes Jesus you are you are amazing you know thing you know that that experience was wow God you are the real deal and I'm so privileged to know you um, and so that happened and then throughout that um, it came to the point where they even got doctors involved I had to go to see a doctor they got the doctor involved and the doctor was trying to sell me a book a doctor who sells books you know which was in itself very interesting um, the book was had a false cover and the cover said that um, Jesus walks on water and I was like oh my gosh you know God sent an angel to help me <laughs> you know God's really you know he's got a Christian a secret Christian and maybe like we could meet and pray and and I went home and I opened the book and it was basically everything that you've known about Jesus isn't true he never walked on water he never this and it was just it was just shocking and I just threw that book straight away in the bin it went straight in the bin um you know a lot of things happen, marriage proposals, just random things. And then, you know, they were starting to get really frustrated. And it got to the point where my auntie and my mom waited for everyone to go out the house, except for my sister, who was upstairs. And they said, Lisa, we want to talk to you, you know, come into the kitchen and they or the dining room in India. We were in Punjab. Um, yes, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned that we were in India at the time and we were in the living room and my mum locked the door. And so it was just me, my auntie and my mum and my auntie said to me, Lisa, we're going to give you this one opportunity and that is for you to give up this religion, this God, this Jesus. And I said, no. And she said, well, if you don't, we're going to, we're going to have to beat this out of you and we will do that. And I said, that's fine. And you know, like my mom, she knew me before I was a Christian. And I think that she was like, well, Lisa's just going to fight back. You know, being Irish, being a dairy girl, you know. Um, and I didn't because I knew, the, first of all, that part of me had just left when you become a Christian. You know, don't know these changes happen and you're no longer this fighter because you know that Jesus will defend you. But also you want being blameless. And so my auntie persisted and I remember just having, it happened so fast, but I remember being on my knees 
and my, my auntie having me by my hair, my head smacking off the concrete wall. And, and I remember just going, oh my gosh, like I'm in India, just in a split second, this understanding of women in India, if I pass out or die, who's, you know, what's going to happen? Even though I trusted God, you still have those, those thoughts, you know, like, you know, you, when you're thinking about or you're fantasizing things, you're like, I'm going to go down as a real martyr, you know? But I just started screaming, like, oh my gosh, the shock of this. And I remember my sister, I remember the door just literally being broken down because my sister heard and, and then I ran upstairs and, and, and that happened. And then after that, it went, you know, it didn't finish. It went to having a meeting with the entire family in a room. And that's where I really, two weeks, I was so tired. I literally couldn't handle it. And they were asking me to stay. And they told me that they hadn't actually booked my return tickets. And that's where I was like, do you know what? I have left my passport, my copy, everything in the UK. And if you don't get me on that flight, everyone in the newspapers will know about it. And obviously my family being worried what people thought that flight was booked within five minutes. So, you know, all of that happened and it didn't even stop when I got to my wedding day. And there was so much that happened. But, you know, fast forward 18 years, I'm really thankful for what happened. You know, my faith was made strong in that season. And my relationship with Jesus is quite unshakable. And witnessing God's protection on my life as well, all those miracles, is just priceless. It's just something that you just can't buy. You can't is. So I actually thanked my parents recently, although my dad had still not spoken to me. My, my relationship with my family has, the past three years, been fantastic. My father refuses to speak to me. He, he won't have anything to do with me. But I thanked my mom. I thanked my sisters when they apologized. I said, I actually am really grateful because everything that you tried to do to bring me closer and back to you actually pushed me closer to Jesus because I was so desperate. Um, and so I was really grateful to everyone who was praying in the church. And I was just listening. We were in the breakout room and Justine had just mentioned that um, just knowing that people pray for you is just the most encouraging thing ever. And and we were talking to Warwick and we were just on this conversation and I thought it's, it's so true. Having, knowing that people were praying for me was oh, just the most important thing. I didn't care about anything else. I was just like, just pray for me. Just pray for me. I know God will do everything else and, and whatnot. But yes, so, you know, that was the largest factor that people were praying for me. And that's what drew me to open doors and what they do. Um, in fact, when we were reading that passage earlier on that Rolf was reading, I just thought that sums up what open doors does. So, you know, if you're wondering what do open doors do, that passage literally sums it up. You know, verse 25 says, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. So first and foremost, we pray. We pray for these things to happen. And then verse 34 says that in 
In the hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. So he took them out, washed their wounds, um, and that household was baptized. But then they actually brought them to the house and fed them. So we have this, this, this dual, this dual um, process. It's so important that we pray and then we provide and we bring that provision. Um, likewise, me, when they were praying and people put me up in their houses, it, it, it was just, it's so important that we do both, but we know that prayer really activates everything. I don't know if I've got time. Have I got time, Mark, to speak about this lady, Helen Bahani? Um, this also, this story I wanna share with you is an incredible story. Um, and also, if you remember that passage as I'm, re as I'm talking to you, you'll see how, you'll see the similarities. You'll see how this is just hand in hand with that passage. So Helen Bahani is actually an, a Rotarian Christian. So uh, that's in, that's Eastern Africa. And she endured incredible persecution um, for the sake of the gospel. She was quite outspoken and she was really, you know, Jesus had touched her life and she was telling people a little bit like Paul and Silas, you know, they were, she was preaching the gospel and she was telling her friends about Jesus. She was, you know, she wasn't ashamed of her faith whatsoever. And she would end up regularly in solitary confinement because the police authorities would just pick her up. I mean, it happened so many times and she would end up in prison in solitary confinement. But what had happened was it had become so regular that the authorities got really fed up of her and they decided that they were gonna punish her with the, which would have been like the worst punishment that they had for um, within religious, I was about to say rights, but there aren't any. So I won't even use that term when it comes to this. And they took Helen and they put her in a shipping container, a small shipping container, not the shipping container houses that we see now. Like I'm talking a shipping container, an old one. And she lived in that shipping container for two and a half years. And she had to share that shipping container with a few other women. Now, when she was put in the shipping container, it was cold. There was no toilet. There was no bed. It was just a shipping container. In fact, she said that it was covered with maggots. And so they were pushed in. And as you can imagine, there's no toilet. So they had to do everything that they had to do in this place. And she lived in it for two and a half years as a punishment for her faith and for, and for being so outspoken about it. Uh, the issue, in fact, she slept in like curled up position, which actually affected her, 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 her health in, in many, many ways and the other ladies. And on a regular day, they were, she was beaten by the guards. Um, she was beaten because she was praying. She was beaten because she was worshiping in these shipping containers for two and a half years. She would, she would tell people about Jesus. She would be singing and praising Jesus. And she'd be praying for the guards who were beating her. And this went on for two and a half years. Um, and what was really crazy about her story as well is that these shipping containers like in East Africa, in the heat of the day, and it's a metal container, they were heat, like 45 degrees heat outside. Can you imagine the, the scalding pain that she would have been going through inside, trying to find a way of not touching 
whilst having such ailments in her body. Um, it's an incredible, incredible story. And, and what happened was one day they got so frustrated with her. They pulled her out of the container and said, give us your Bible. How did you get a Bible in there? And she said, I don't have a Bible. And they were like, well, how do you know all these things that you're saying? She said, it's all in my brain. It, I, it's, in, it's in my heart. I have memorized it. And they said, well, we're going to beat it out of you. And so they beat her so severely um, that she, she was lying in the back in the container and she was praying to God about the fact she was about to die. She was deteriorating really, really bad. Um, and what had happened was they found out that she was literally borderline, like within maybe a day about to die. She was malnourished, all of these other um, aspects to her illness and her sickness that they sent her to a military hospital and when she got to the military hospital they were so shocked um, that they also didn't want the authorities or anyone to hear about it so they sent her home um, and so she went home and then she fled to Sudan where she got a little bit better when she got to Sudan and this is where we've got that burst and I think it's verse 34, open doors, um, when she went to Sudan, she joined a church and open doors, sent someone over, I think it was from the UK or Australia to meet with Helen. And when this lady came to Helen and said, hi, I'm from open doors, I'm here to help you. She said, well, how did you know? How did you know anything about me? And, and she said, the church that you're now attending told us about you and and so we've come over. So we flew, open doors flew over and they took over really, um, they took over um, quite a lot of things with them, but mostly to do with getting her body back and nourished and back to health again. So there was a lot of, um, I think they were talking about vitamins and talking about the nourishing, um, like dietary requirements that she would need that was supplied to her. They helped her get um, in touch with authorities to to get asylum in Denmark, I think it's Denmark. And this process happened with the help of the local church who partnered with Open Door, who, who brought the attention, who prayed for her. And Open Doors then came over, flew over and helped her with the rest of the process. Um, she is now in Denmark and she is a gospel singer because she sang so often in these containers that she then someone helped her and they brought out an album and she had the book and she's also there with her daughter uh, and now she's dedicated her time to reaching persecuted christians and, and open doors is still in touch with her to this day and um, so that is how open doors and how you the church and you and i we all partnership together to help these persecuted christians and so this is where it takes me to ask you guys to um, join us in prayer and like making it a, a making it a a priority in your life to pray to pray for those Christians to pray for the um, the churches around the world and there's so much to actually pray about um, and we would love it if you would join with us to give so that we can actually provide the help and assistance afterwards which is which is so important um, and so 
I would like to ask you not only to pray, and I might share my screen for this actually, because I really wanted to take you through the website. Because if you're wondering like, what do I pray for? How do I know what it is that I need to pray for? I would love to show you some resources to help you on that way. So I'm just gonna share my screen. <clears throat> And I'm going to, I'm just going to take you, I know you can see in my, the front of this, but I'm just going to show you from here. All you do is go to Open Doors, AU. And you will see this incredible website. And on the website, you will see there is like the Afghanistan crisis, provide pastoral care, give monthly, your impact, and, and this incredible world watch list, which tells you where Christians are in most danger. Then if we go over to here, we've got a prayer section. And here it actually tells you like the current up to date, what's going on around the world when it comes to persecuted Christians. And we've got so much to pray about, I'll be honest, this is, incredible resources for us and and how they actually get the information is fantastic if we go to get involved there is a place where it says prayer um a, a link sorry and you can just see all of the um you can click on there to get the read more sorry for the afghanistan prayer requests but also um where is it a sign up actually i think it's oh oh i can't see. i might put it in the link or send it to your pastor but it is basically a book that you can order and it basically it will give you a list of a daily who you can pray for every day and um, it is somewhere on here i did find it before but for some reason i just can't see it now but that is fine I'm just going to stop sharing this. And I'm going to take you to what we would love and what we would um, ask you guys to help us with. And it is to um, subscribe. Now, we're asking everyone to subscribe at the moment so that, that we've got a regular, um, <clears throat> we're receiving regular finances to help us to distribute the money and distribute the um, aid that we would like so what open doors is doing is they're asking for like 39 dollars a month and with this um they are able to reach and discipleship and do discipleship so i'm just going to find this other section here so yeah so they delivered discipleship and community development i don't know if you've heard of um center of hope center of hopes are um like churches but they call them center of hope um, around the around the world in these countries where there's a lot of persecution and it is a place for people to go um, they will go to these um, places and they will receive the help and uh, the support and or even sometimes jobs to help them and they have a community of people that will also pray for them so on here um, on this slide that I've just brought up there's a QR code where you can actually go straight to the give page and subscribe. Now, I know I said $39, you can go above $39, you can go below $39. Anything is really um, appreciated with this. 
And also, if you don't want to, or you can't at the moment, um, commit to a monthly subscription, uh, you can just give on the website. Um, but yes, above all, even from my own personal experience, prayer is just the most important factor ever above everything. And if you would then like to help with the provision afterwards, we would ask for you to um, kindly give. Um, do you know, thank you so much for listening to me. I'm sorry if I went on too long. I do apologize. Um, I'm so grateful that you guys came to hear the stories um, and that you would give us a platform to be able to share our heart with you and that you would join us in regular prayer for the persecuted church. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm going to pass you back to Mark. Thanks, Lisa. Um, <clears throat> well, 